cold. So you guys are in the Solid Food class. Um, this is a campus class for uh, people who've become Christians and are wanting to mature and go deeper in their faith. Um, so for those who don't know, don't know me, my name is Alana Lund, and my husband and I lead the campus in Northern Virginia. Um, <laughs> um, we have an eight-month-old baby girl named Nora, and I personally think she's the cutest baby that's ever lived. Um, not biased at all. Um, but yeah, I'm so happy that you guys have decided to come to this class. Um, I know the title was kind of confusing, a lot of the titles are confusing, but this class is about maturing as a disciple. Um, so you become a Christian, but how to really keep going in your faith. And before we get started, I'm going to start off with a prayer. Um, so you guys want to join me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for allowing us to come before you, God. Thank you for this conference. Um, God, it's so amazing to worship with brothers and sisters from all over um, the ACR, God. It's, so amazing to be there last night and just um, the, the worship and the music and everything, God, just remembering who you are and how big you are and how great you are, God. And pray for this class, God. I pray that you can remove me, speak through me, God. I pray that we can all walk away um, becoming more and more like you, God, which is our goal in heaven. Um, God, thank you again for this time. Pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Um, so again, today we're talking about maturity. And I don't know about you guys, but there have been many times in my life that I wish that there was just an easy way to grow, right? Like, if I could just push a button and I could become more wise or more mature or more faithful, then I'd like to do that. <laughs> but maturity really takes hard work. Um, and sometimes because of that, we can back away from going through hard things in our lives. You know, for me, I remember studying the Bible um, 12 years ago. And I thought that was really challenging to repent and to grow, and, and it was, you know, to change my life completely. But I think the harder part, honestly, is staying faithful, right? right? And to continue growing um, when life throws you all kinds of curveballs along the way. You know, for me, it means that when I'm hurt, even in the church, that I have to keep loving. Amen. That when I'm afraid of what people are going to think of me, I have to keep being vulnerable. And that instead of growing stale and stagnant in my faith, I have to continue to grow and change to become more and more like Christ. Which in the end is our goal, right? We want to become more and more like Jesus and less and less like ourselves. You know, I kept thinking about this idea of maturity, and it made me think about the parable of the sower. Most of you guys know that story, right? You know, there's four different places that the seed was sown. And the second to last one says that it was sown amongst thorns. And that the worries of this life, riches, all of that came and it stole away the word of God. And for me, that was always the, the scariest one. To think that I could become a Christian, you know, say the Bible, make that hard decision, but then just stay the same. Be in the church, but not growing, not maturing. And I think that's a temptation for all of us, right? That we can become Christians, but that we don't grow, that we stay the same. And so today we're going to be talking um, in Hebrews 5, if you guys want to head over there. And if I could actually have a volunteer to read Hebrews 5, 11 through Hebrews 6, 12. It's quite a chunk. <laughs> um, so whenever you guys get there, if someone wants to read that. Um, 6, 12. Um, Hebrews 5, starting verse 11, 
I'm not going to have what it takes to fight against Satan's schemes. Wow. Yeah. And I think sometimes we forget we're in a battle, right? Like this is evil versus good. Yeah. Satan is at work just as much as God is at play. And we have to be aware of that. We can't just think, oh, like, I'll just, you know, breathe my way through life and I'll be okay. Like, Satan's throwing things at you and you've got to be prepared to defend. And so when I think about how do we, how do we gain maturity, the author says that by constant use, they train themselves. And so that's the key. One, that it's constant. And two, that you train yourself. You know, training yourself means you're not just waiting around for someone to tell you what to do or how to do it. In the beginning, that can be really helpful as you're learning how to walk with God, to be taught how to have Bible studies, how to have quiet times, how to pray to God. But eventually, we have to move from that basic understanding to being able to read the scriptures ourselves and apply them ourselves, right? That I don't have to have someone teach me every step of the way, but that I can teach myself. And again, it reminds me of my daughter. I'm going to use her as an example a lot, just to let you know. <laughs> um, but right now, she's teaching herself to, to eat solid food. And we're doing this program where basically she, um, she learns how to eat the way that we eat. She doesn't start with purees. She just eats finger foods. And in the very beginning, she would gag a lot while she was eating. And it was pretty scary, honestly, to watch <laughs> her do this. Um, but after a few days of her doing this program, she stopped gagging. She realized, okay, I don't want to put my food that far back, or I want to put it on this side, or I need a chew before I swallow. Like, over time, she realized what she needed to do, and it's the same with maturing, right? Like, over time, I have to, to take what I've learned and put it into practice. She recognized that something was not good for her, so she stopped doing it. And I think sometimes we get stuck here, especially with our <coughs> sin, right? We know it's bad for us, but we keep doing it. Yeah. I know I shouldn't scroll on Instagram late at night because it's tempting for my purity. Or I know I shouldn't keep skipping my quiet times. Or I know that I should confess my sin. We know what we should do, but we don't do it. And that ultimately keeps us from growing and maturing. You know, one of the hardest transitions that's needed to mature is getting our head knowledge to our heart knowledge. Mm -hmm. To move beyond the basic understanding of, oh, I know what I should do. Kind of like the Pharisees, they knew what to do, but their life didn't reflect that. But for you guys, how's it going training yourself? Are you constantly waiting to be told what to do? Or are you taking initiative to grow in your walk with God? How constant are you? You know, it's just like working out. If you guys have ever gotten really into working out and then taken a break, yeah. say for nine months when you're pregnant, <laughs> and then you try to get back into it, it's really hard. It's like, did I ever work out before? <laughs> it started from the very beginning, right? But it's just like that spiritually. If we take a break, if we stop doing it every day, we forget, right? We grow stale, we grow stagnant. If we want to mature, it's got to be an everyday thing. You know, the author warns the church here to not become lazy. Lazy. And I'll be honest, you know, there have been points in my walk with God where I've been lazy spiritually. And I look back on those times, and I didn't grow. I did what I wanted to do, and my faith stayed right there. 
And usually, you know, it's a time where I'm being faced with a challenge, mm-hmm. right? God's calling me to go deeper in my faith or come out of my comfort zone. But instead of persevering, I just kind of do what I want to do, right? Like I do what's comfortable and what's easy instead of going deeper in my faith. And so what I want to talk about more today is that faith and perseverance is what we need to measure. You know, if we want to be those on solid food, we've got to be diligent, like it says in that scripture, and patient to the very end. We've got to choose to persevere. And that word persevere in the Greek, it means um, to hold out, to stand firm, to stand against opposition, to remain, to endure, to be patient. You know, for me, when I think about perseverance, I do think about my walk with God. It really is a journey. You know, I made that commitment to Jesus 12 years ago. I said, Jesus is Lord. But when I counted the cost, you know, I was ready to go on this journey, but I had no idea what was going to come yeah. 11, 12 years later. The times of suffering, the times of testing, the mountaintop moments, the times of intense grief and pain, the character-refining moments. Mm-hmm. You know, I said that, that Jesus is Lord at 15, but I've gone through different seasons of life that have required something different of me. Mm-hmm. And the question I'm constantly faced with is, will I continue to make Jesus Lord wow. every day? as I keep going. Not just with my words, but in my life. Will I stay the same, or will I mature and become more and more like Christ? What it really comes down to is perseverance. Am I willing to face the storms and the times of testing, knowing that God's blessings are true? And that more faith, stronger convictions, more resilience, all of those things are on the other side that's waiting for me. You know, much of our maturing comes from how we respond to trials. If you guys could turn with me to James chapter 1, and I get someone else to read, um, verses 2 through 4. Um, Yeah, James 1. James 1, 2 through 4. Everybody there? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may mature and com- complete, not may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Thank you. Um, you know, this is one of the scriptures that's always gotten me. I'm like, how can I consider this trial pure joy? Like, I don't get that, right? Um, but if you look a little bit closer, James isn't saying to be happy simply because of the trial, but about what will come from the, the trial, which is maturity. You know, how do you respond in the midst of trials and persecution, suffering? For me, once the storm is passing and I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, that's when I'm like, okay, God is good. Like, yeah. you know, I'll be okay. <laughs> like, Amen. Thank you, God. Like, all of that. But when I'm in the middle of the trial, when I don't see any hope around me, that's when I'm like, okay, I don't know if you care, God. Like, do you see me? Do you care that I'm hurting? And I don't know, maybe you're feeling like, I'm not really going through anything hard right now. Or life is pretty good. 
But God actually promises all of us that we will go through trials. So whether it's right now or to come, or you've been through trials, this will this will happen. And I think for us, you know, it's about how we respond when we're in those trials. And the way that we respond will either hinder our faith or mature us. You know, what I've come to realize is that so much of suffering challenges my view of God. It calls into question, what do I really believe about God? Suffering will test our endurance and ask us if we have the faith that we need to keep going. You know, your commitment to Jesus can only go as deep as your trust in him goes. What else is going to motivate you to keep going when everything else is telling you to give up or give in or stay the same? But it's like that with any of our relationships, right? Like the more I trust someone, the more that I I persevere with them. The more that I know like they're going to be with me through the thick and the thin. But so many of us are operating on a shallow, superficial, religious understanding of Jesus. And it's just not enough to get through those hard times. You know, there are many ways that we can respond to, to suffering and to hardship. But the quicker we learn to surrender to it, and the quicker we the quicker we can be trained by it, right? If you guys could turn me again to Romans 5. We're going to start in verse 3. Just say amen when you get there. All right, Romans 5, starting verse 3. It says, Not only so, but we will also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. (coughs) Perseverance, character, and character hope. You know, this word for character in the Greek, it means that you have been tested and proven genuine. It's the word that they would use to describe um, clay that was put in a kiln. And some pots during the process of being fired would crack, and they would glue them back together, and they would still sell them, but they were called um, agakimas. Um, but if the pot didn't break, then it would have a stamp on it that would say documents, which is the word for character, meaning that it had been proven to withstand the fire. Mm-hmm. And this is what it means to build character. It's the only way that we can build character. That you go through the times of suffering and you come out still standing on the other side and stronger than you were before. I'll be honest with you guys. I think this is really hard for our generation, the millennials. I think there are amazing things about our generation. I love our generation. I think sometimes we can get slighted a bit, you know, in the media or whatever. But I think this is something that can be really hard for us. Just this grit to keep going when things are hard. And I say us because I'm included in that. I have a hard time with this too. But I think, you know, the more that we choose to keep going, the more that we're going to build the faith that we need in the end. And more than ever, I've seen people willingly give up on God or give in to sin. Things like pornography, immorality, selfishness, 
you know, not reading my Bible consistently. It seems like these have become the norm in the kingdom. You know, we confess, we feel bad, then we find ourselves back in those things again and again. And you know, if our lives are filled with pleasing our flesh, any time the going gets tough, we're never going to mature in our faith. Right? If we just keep giving in a sin, how are we going to grow in love, patience, self-control? And you know, it's not just giving in a sin, but also letting God use you in the kingdom. I feel like more than ever, it's become okay or um, the norm to say no to being called out of your comfort zone. You know, God is calling you to step up in the ministry. Or God is calling you to give of yourself in a way that's hard. And we can say no. I don't want to step out of my comfort zone. I don't want to get out of the boat. And I totally get it. If I could be at home watching Netflix, cuddle up in a blanket, eating ice cream every night, I would. I totally would. But I know if I do that, I'm not going to grow. Right? If I'm never challenged to get out of my comfort zone, I will stay the same selfish Alana. That's just the truth. But I know in order to grow, I have to say yes to the things that scare me to death, the things that force me to get out of my boat of comfort, like sharing with that girl on campus that intimidates me, or sharing in general. I know for me, one time, I challenged myself to share with a thousand people in a week. Wow. And it's still one of the scariest things I've ever done in my life. Come on. I shared with a group of 60 people at one point. I got onto this like podium and shared my testimony. And that is not me. That's something I would never, ever do. But I remember coming out of that week feeling like, I can do anything. Come on. <laughs> I just share my faith with a thousand people. Like, there's nothing I can't do. But that's what happens when we say yes. Right? If we say no to everything, we never have those amazing victories. We don't get to tell those stories. We don't get those those battle cry moments. Yeah, come on. And so I want to encourage you guys to say yes to the things that are challenging you, the things that scare you. You know, if we always do what feels comfortable, that's exactly where we're going to stay. And in the end, I think sometimes our goal of who we're trying to be and what we're trying to get out of life can be off. That our expectations of this life can be misguided. You know, we seek being comfortable too much. We desire that more than we should. Or we get upset when God doesn't give us what we want when we want it. Right? Anyone else there? Yeah. Throw a little pity party, temper tantrum. I want this right now. And why do we do that? Because we feel like we deserve to. Right? I become entitled to God giving me what I feel like he should give, right? right? I've done all of these th- these things, God. I've stayed faithful for this long. I've given up this and this and this. Like, why aren't you blessing my life? Am I the only one? No. <laughs> no. But guys, it's not about that. It's about becoming more and more like Christ, mm-hmm. right? And when I think about Christ, was his life comfortable? Mm-hmm. Was it easy? Was it a walk in the park? No. no. He did crazy hard things. And that's who we're called to imitate. I want to look at a couple scriptures to remind us of what our goal is in life. Who we want to be like. So if I get four readers, I know there's a lot of scriptures. Um, the first one is Romans 8, 17 through 18. Awesome. 
The next one is 1 Peter 2, 21 through 23. Um, the next one is Philippians 2, 5 through 8. And the last one is Hebrews 5, 7 through 12. <laughs> All right, the first one, Romans 8. Yeah. If you could say enough, yeah. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co heirs of Christ. If indeed we share in the suffering of the we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. And then 1 Peter 2 21 through 23. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed to no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself. To him who judges justly. And the next one is Hebrews 5, 7 through 12. Oh, no, no. Philippians, sorry. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Their attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of his servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Even death on the cross. Alright, and the last one is Hebrews 5, 7 through 12. During the days that Jesus was alive with her, he offered a prayer and petition to allow Christ to be the one who could save him from death. And he was heard of every member of submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And was designated by God to be high priest of the order of we have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Yeah. So what do we see from these scriptures? Jesus was a living sacrifice, right? He learned. I love that it says he learned. Yeah. Right? Like, Jesus didn't have it all together in that sense. That he, too, had to learn obedience by humbling himself to the cross. He embraced suffering, and that's what made him perfect. And that word perfect is the same word that is used for mature. I think sometimes you can um, be afraid of that word. Like, I, perfect, you know, it seems like a high calling that I can't get to. But that's actually what we're called to become. Right? Like, that's pretty, that's intense if you think about it. But that's who Jesus was. He was perfect, and he learned that by humbling himself and obeying God. And if we want to become more like Christ in this way, we also must suffer. If I want to become more humble, that means I've got to be the first to say, I'm sorry. 
and that sometimes is suffering, right? Yeah. <laughs> I have to lower myself in order to say, I'm sorry, even if it wasn't my fault, right? Those are the hardest times. Um, to be vulnerable and honest, even when it's embarrassingly painful. This is the only way to mature, is to embrace suffering. You know, the life of Jesus is who we're called to imitate. And his life is far from rainbows and sunshines. The first step to maturing is recognizing who we're called to imitate in the first place. I don't know about you guys, but it can be easy to be bombarded by influences around us, right? Like social media. and It can seem like people have it all together. And that's who I should be like, right? I should be like who I see on campus or who I see on Instagram. But that's not what we're called to. We're called to a life of hardship and suffering. And how do I respond to that? Am I always looking for the easy way out of life's challenges? You know, personally, I've been experiencing a lot of this in my life. You know, becoming a mom has been incredibly challenging for me. I knew that, you know, motherhood would be challenging, but... For us, we've had a lot of issues with my daughter's feeding and um, just different issues that she's had medically that have really, really challenged my faith. When my daughter was two months old, she developed what they call feeding aversion, where basically she stopped um, drinking milk. She didn't want to take a bottle. She didn't want to eat from me. And the only way that I could get food into her was to feed her while she was completely asleep. And so basically my life revolved around whenever my daughter would sleep, I would try to feed her. And so it meant that I couldn't leave the house. Because if she went to sleep, I had to be there to feed her. And the feeding process took an hour. Usually it takes them five, ten minutes to eat. It took my daughter an hour to eat. And this was every day for months. And I mean, this is the most intense suffering I've ever gone through. I've gone through a lot of hard things in my life. And what was so intense about this is I couldn't escape it. You know, like, I had to feed her. Like, I couldn't just check out. I couldn't go watch a movie. I couldn't go do whatever I wanted. I had to take care of her. And um, we prayed so much for answers. We took her to every doctor possible. There were weeks I was taking her to daily doctor's appointments. You know, taking this three-month-old baby everywhere, trying to figure out what was going on. She had to get an endoscopy where they had to put a tube down her throat. They had to strap her down and try to get an IV in her, and it took them four tries to get an IV, and I just had to watch her scream. And it was so challenging. It rocked my view of God. I remember praying and thinking, like, God, you don't care. Like, if you did, you would change this. You would take me out of the situation. Like, you can do this, God. Like, why aren't you coming through? And, um... Finally, I joined all these support groups on Facebook and I found out about this program where this woman worked with babies just like my daughter and she had like a 99% you know, success rate or something like that. And so I was like, yay, like finally. And so we started this program and basically the program is you starve them for them to figure out what they want to eat again. Like you cannot feed them while they're sleeping. They have to be fully awake and so they don't eat. And she lost weight. I mean, it was awful. And halfway through the program, I was like, this is not working. (laughs) This, I give up. This is not working. I can't do this anymore. Um, I remember feeling like, God, like, I I don't even know if I can stay with you. Like, to be completely honest, guys, that's where my mind was. 
I felt like if I was trying so hard to follow you, I've given so much up for you, and you're not coming through here, I don't know if I can stay by your side. And I knew that's not what I wanted, but I felt that low. And I remember going out on this prayer walk and going by the train tracks behind our house and just begging God, like, God, if you're real, like, I need you to come through right now. And, and he didn't. Things didn't get better. But in that time, I realized, okay, who is God? Who is the God of the Bible? He is a good God. I don't see it. I don't feel it. I don't believe it. But I know that that is true. And it was the most faith-refining moment in my life because it wasn't, the storm wasn't over. I was still in it, but I was choosing to believe the truth about God. And I don't, I wish I didn't have to go through that. I don't want to ever go through anything like that again. But in the same way, I'm grateful for it because it refined my faith. It brought me closer to God. It made me more mature than I was before. And so in that way, I'm grateful for it. And now, just to let you guys know, things are so much better. <laughs> the program eventually did work. <laughs> it took two weeks, but it worked. And she eats awake now. She's eating solids. Like, life is just so different than what it was a month ago. Um, and I've all, only got to thank for that. Um, but I'm grateful that it wasn't when the storm was over that I got to that point. Does that make sense? Like, it was in the midst of the storm. And so I want to ask you guys again, how are you responding in the midst of your trials? Because so much of that is what matures our faith. What do you believe about who God is? And, you know, for me, I think one of the most amazing things that it taught me about God was in that feeding program when we were going through all that really intense stuff, obviously she was having such a hard time, right? Like she was, was starving, literally. And we had to take her to the hospital for dehydration. Like, it was just a mess. And I, on the other hand, I wasn't just, like, off to the side, like, doing my own thing. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like I was watching her go through this and I was detached from it. I was suffering, too. I was crying. I was feeling all kinds of stuff. And it showed me that that's how God is in our trials. Like, we can think that he's just off to the side, not holding our hands, doesn't care. But he is just like me. Like, he, he breaks when we go through hard times. He doesn't want us to suffer. He's a loving father who would give us the world. But he also knows that that trial is going to bring you closer to him. And just like I didn't stop the program, and now I'm so glad that I didn't because she's so much better, I knew the best thing for her was to let her suffer. And I want to give you that image because that's who our God is. He's not a distant God. He's holding your hand through the times of suffering. You know, when we choose to persevere, our hardships allow us to walk away with a deeper, more fulfilled understanding of who God is. He wanted me to persevere so he can make me mature and complete. You know, I realized that it was up to me with how I was going to use that season of suffering. So many wise women over the years have told me, don't waste your pain. And I finally understood that. I could either use my suffering to shape me into the woman God created me to be, or I could shrink back and grow stagnant in my faith. The choice was up to me with how I was going to use the suffering. You know, this is my story of suffering. 
But we all have our stories, right? For you, maybe it's a story of heartbreak. You had what you wanted, but then it was taken away. Maybe your story has to do with unrepentant sin or needing to grow in your character. Maybe it's a story of grief or health challenges or financial challenges or mental health or watching those you love walk away from God. Or maybe God is calling you out of your comfort zone and you've been too afraid to step out of the boat. Whatever is going on, whatever will come, God wants you to use your trials to shape you into the woman that he created you to be. Sisters, don't waste your pain. You know, our trials are opportunities to build character. But the temptation during difficult times is to torment ourselves with questions that we can't answer. Right? Why? Why me? How long? And what was it? But instead, we should focus on the questions that we can answer. How will I suffer? Who will I become along the way? Will I choose faith? To close out, I want to look at a woman who really exemplifies this for me, this perseverance. You guys could turn with me to Matthew 15. We're going to start in verse 21. Alright, just say amen when you get there. Gave her this kind of faith. She must have heard about how he fed 5,000 people, 
how he healed the sick. She must have heard about healing the, the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath, how he cleansed the lepers and healed the paralytics. She must have heard about how even Jairus' daughter, a few chapters earlier, had been healed. And she knew that this was the God I needed to get to. You know, sometimes we go through hard times, we lose sight of who God is, his nature and his character. We start to question him and make him out to be someone that he's not. In those times, it can be hard to run to God because we don't trust. But this woman had confidence in God that he could and that he would heal her daughter. Sisters, how do you view Jesus? During confusing times, we have to trust what the Bible tells us about who God is, about his nature and his grace, and choose to view our circumstances in light of those truths rather than as we're tempted to do, view God in light of our circumstances. We've got to cling to the scriptures and memorize them to allow our minds to dwell on truth and who the true Jesus is. You know, Satan will quickly tell you lies to deceive you about who God is. For me, it was a lie that God was punishing me. I must be going through this because I did something wrong. I wasn't spiritual enough. I didn't share my faith enough. I wasn't humble enough. X, Y, and Z. But that's not true about God. What lies is Satan telling you about God? Maybe it's that he's mad at you. That he doesn't want you to be happy or get what you want. Or if I don't respond the right way to this trial, God will never get me, give me what I want. Or that I'm not important to God. You know, all of these lies are designed to make God seem like the enemy instead of Satan. And they, they breed fear and mistrust towards God. They make us insecure and distant from Him. You know, maturity requires true perseverance, but that requires knowing the true Jesus. Our perseverance is in direct correlation with our view of God. The second thing that she did was that she cried out. It says that she came to him crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And what was Jesus' response? He ignored her. Even the disciples were like, send her away, like she's annoying. <laughs> and Jesus didn't at all seem interested in her. I don't know about you guys, but I can relate to that. There are times I'm like, I'm praying, I'm reading, I'm going to church. Like, do you see me? Do you care? But I love that she keeps crying out. Even when the answer was no, she continued to cry out. Wow, yeah. She persevered, knowing that this is the God that can give me what I want, and I'm going to keep asking, even if the answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing that she does is that she humbles out. You know, at this point, I would have been tempted to walk away. Okay, this isn't for me. He can't help me. But instead, she gets on her knees. Like, have you guys ever gotten on your knees to beg something from someone? Probably not. Like, we don't really do that, you know? It's so humbling to do that. But she gets on her knees. And how does Jesus respond? It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dog. I'm like, what? <laughs> Jesus said, what? Like, she just humbled herself. Like, what? And I would have been like, oh, no, he didn't. I'm out. Like, this, this is it. You call me a dog? <laughs> I know he didn't. But how does she respond? She says, 
Yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Like, she calls herself a dog. Wow. She embraces the humbling. She doesn't feel entitled to anything or to being treated a certain way or getting what she wants. She doesn't take offense or stand on her rights. Like, I should be treated this way. I don't know about you guys, but I'm very much like that. Like, if I'm mistreated, I'm like, I will stand for what is right. But she allows herself to be mistreated. But you know, if we fix our eyes on the true Jesus, we realize that we aren't entitled to anything. And we also can humble ourselves knowing that God is a good God and that no matter what my situation is, that he can be trusted. You know, this woman doesn't understand all that is going on here, but she trusts God anyway. If we have humility, we will have true perseverance. If you're struggling to persevere, sisters, I want to ask you, how's it going with your pride? For me, it's easier to rely on myself through challenging times, right? I'll just white-knuckle it through. I'll just do it on my own. But she wasn't self-reliant. She knew that God was her only option. For us, sometimes God is our last resort, right? Like, I've done everything. I mean, even for me in that story, I did everything. But was I begging God on a daily basis? No. Was I humbling myself before God? No. Eventually, when I tried everything, it was like, okay, I'm going to really humble myself before God. That should be our first solution, to run to God in prayer. You know, humility recognizes that God's way is the best way. That not only is he sovereign and in complete control, but he is a good father who wants the best for his children. You know, there's a saying that says, you cannot humiliate the humble. This woman was not humiliated, humiliated by this encounter with Jesus. Her humility allowed her to have the strength to persevere. Let's be women who persevere through life's challenges in order to become more and more like Christ. Amen.